0: Hey everyone, welcome to the OFD Bookcast. I'm your host, Joshua Volz, site manager, emperor, supreme warlord, and defender of the faith over at onefootdown.com on the SB Nation Network. And yes, I did say bookcast. This is not the OFD podcast. I am flying solo, and that's okay. That's okay. You really probably should be reading books uh, by yourself at this point in your life. Uh, It's just, uh, just, you know, just a mantra that I, that you should live by. But yeah, so because of all this social distancing and the coronavirus, uh, stuff, man, it's it's got everybody indoors. Uh, if, if you're up North, there's cause it's not really the cold. It's, uh, the rain has been, uh, just killer right now. Um, but, uh, everyone's looking for something to do. Um, you know, you're not working or if you're working from home, you're looking for ways to not work while you're working at home. And we're, we're trying to get you covered here. So I started the Notre Dame Football Book Club. Now, let me tell you, this was the first book that I chose. I really, really wanted uh, to do uh, No Excuses, uh, the book about Charlie Weiss. But as I dipped over to my Notre Dame Football Book Library, I my eyes just kept going back and to the same book. And it is the... It's the really the first book I ever read about Notre Dame football, and that is uh, Notre Dame's Greatest Coaches by Moose Krause and Steve uh, Steven Singular, um, and it's of course talking about uh, Holtz, Parisejian, Leahy, and Rockney, uh, but it's through the eyes and and the the tale of uh, of Mr. Notre Dame Moose Krause. Now I gotta tell you, wow. Well, I've got this book in for Christmas of 93 and the book had just come out and I probably read it. I mean, the first time I read it, I read it, you know, one day, sat down, went through it and I was just fascinated by it. And it was moose that, that caught my attention. It was this story of a guy named Mr. Notre Dame. Now my, my family, you know, there's nobody that's a Notre Dame alum in in our family. It just wasn't a name I was familiar with. You know, at that time in, you know, 15 and 93, we had already, um, you know, finished uh, our, Notre Dame had finished their uh, 93 season uh, and then went on to become uh, the national champions in 1993. Uh, And I was a a sophomore in high school. But, uh, you know, I was pretty well versed in, you know, a lot of the lore, but I just, I had no idea who this Mr. Notre Dame Moose Krause was. And so this book really opened my eyes to to all that, and just I ever since then I've been fascinated uh, with the man. I just I think that uh, I don't think he's talked about enough. Uh, I think that for whatever reason, and I mean I'm sure there's plenty since he never coached, um, was never a head coach at, at Notre Dame football. But he's just not talked about enough. Um, so, so this book, I, I my eyes just kept going over to it time and time again when I was kind of figuring out. And I thought, you know what? All right, this is the one. This is the fun read. I read this like eight or nine times in high school, and I haven't read it since. Right, so I thought, you know what? This this will be a good one to do. Um, and again, if you're not familiar with what's going on here, I wrote a story on the site. Um, this is the book club, uh, and the podcast is going to accompany this. So it, basically, it's the mainstay. And I'm just going to go over like a like like three chat three to four chapters a, an episode, and how I go about that. I'm not really sure. It's been a long time since I've actually written a book review. Uh but I mean I, I guess I've done a handful of those for um various times for the site and or for the other sites that I've that I've written on. Um the last one I think was uh Bow Down. Uh, it was a book about Ty Willingham uh and his time at Washington which did not paint Ty Willingham in a in a good light at all. <laughs> uh it's actually quite a quite a fun read. Um, so I'm not exactly sure how this is all going to go. This is obviously this is the first time I've ever podcasted about a book, uh, so I don't know. This hopefully this is something fresh. Hopefully this is something that keeps your mind off of what's going on, and um, maybe you just need something to pop in. This these these episodes will be uh, fairly quick and concise. Uh, you won't have me screaming at Jude or anything, um, but uh, hopefully we just have some fun. I don't know. We're just I'm going to go through it. So. Just to, just to start off with this book, they had an introduction, and Dick Rosenthal, who's Notre Dame's athletic director at the time of this book, uh, just gives an introduction. And really, it's just a quick—it's um, more or less a, a quick overview of the four coaches and of moose. And I guess really all you can say about it is that it—it's it, a—it sounds—it's very Notre Dame-y. It's very pro Notre Dame. It's very. Um, it's very selling you this book, but in a very kind of like bland way, um, in, in the basic, in the basic way in which, uh, in, in which he describes everybody. And that's fine. I mean, it's just, it's just like, it's not really even set the table. It, it, it's, it's preset in the oven temperature. And that's what a lot of introductions sh- do. Uh, a lot of great ones do a little bit more than that, but, but it, it was Okay. But then we get into the first chapter and it, it's entitled, you know, meeting Mr. Notre Dame. And really what the author does here, I, th- I think is actually, um, it's quite good because he he opens it up with Moose showing up uh, in this extremely large landboat Cadillac, uh, getting out cigar smoke rolling everywhere, large old man lumbering, like kind of like here comes the old warrior kind of, kind of setting. And, you know, he goes in and it, it name drops early. You know, he goes in to hang out at a bar um, with Creighton Miller and Johnny Lujack, So <laughs> you start throwing those names around and then it just kind of leads into it. Just sh- people coming up to him saying, Hey, and, and it shows him as a, as a kind, compassionate man, because he's, he was always willing to talk to whoever uh, said anything to him, but it also showed what kind of a legend he really is. Uh, and towards the end of that chapter, there's an there's an old man who just kept looking at Moose uh, over at the bar, and he walks up and shook his hand, and he said, "Hey, I just wanted to be able to say uh, that I met Mr. Notre Dame." That should tell you. That says so much about who Moose is, and that chapter does a great job of just setting setting the tone. Uh, of, all right, here's these four great coaches, you know, there's the four best in Notre Dame history by far. And, but here's this giant legend of a man on campus. I mean, he's got a statue. You, you got your national championship coaches statues on campus, right? But you also have moose sitting there on the bench. It's fantastic. Uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite things on campus is the moose, uh, statue. Um, so that chapter does a great, I just think it does a great job of setting it all up. And then, it, so then it goes into, uh, <laughs> which is funny because the second chapter is called Laying the Foundation. Um, but here you start to get to know, in this chapter, you'll start to get to know more about Moose, uh, and then, and then, uh, goes into stuff with Rockney. Um, now mind you, this book goes through an entire season, it goes through a season, uh, with Notre Dame too, as well. So, and we'll we'll get to that um, uh, in later episodes. Uh, but for, but for now, we're just going to concentrate on on what we're doing here, but uh, <laughs> what's in the chapters. But you know, it starts off with Moose, who is a a, a, a inner you know inner city Chicago get kid, uh, families blue collar, hardworking stockyard workers. I mean, a Lithuanian immigrant. Type family. Um, he talks about getting beat up by the Poles one day, then the Italians the next day, the Irish the day after. That. It's just you know everyone got, got a whack at him. Uh, but he's this he's this big big guy, big kid. Um, so you know, big blue collar kids in Chicago. Uh, you know, immigrant Catholic. It all to us at all right now that just screams like football player, right? So let's get, let's get into a little bit about what this book says here and quoting from the book. Their coach at De La Salle was Norm Barry, who in the course of one season would lead the Institute to a city title and then coach pro football, Chicago Cardinals to a national championship. Later, he became a Cook County circuit court judge. Like most boys, the Crossy brothers originally wanted to play quarterback or running back so they could handle the ball and make touchdowns but they quickly realized that everyone else had the same ambition. Their chances of making the team, Phil decided, would be greatly enhanced if they were willing to become linemen and learn the difficult business of blocking and tackling. They did just that, and one afternoon in the 1920s, Coach Barry was teaching his high schoolers to throw a block when he saw a towering young fellow lunge at a much smaller boy and fail to hit him, much less take him off his feet. You're as big as a moose, Barry yelled at the culprit, and you can't even knock down that little guy. Try it again. So right there in that, in that, uh, right there, you you already have it. Moose gets his nickname right away in high school. He's, so he's, he's already known as this big, big cat. Wasn't a great football player to go start off with. So he, he's getting coached Now, Barry played for, um, he, he uh, played for Rockney. He was there with, uh, with George Gipp. Uh, so you're getting the, the beginnings of, uh, of Moose. I'm, I'm going to go on uh, with that just a little bit more. Barry not only gave Edward his lifelong nickname, but when the coach had trouble spelling Krasianas, he shortened it to Kraus. In addition to rechristening the young man, he was teaching him how to play football. Moose was larger than most everyone else. He was naturally strong and getting stronger by working in the stockyards in the summertime. And he had the one ingredient every football player needs an instinctive love of intense physical contact. You can't talk someone into hitting people hard. A person either enjoys doing it or he doesn't. Moose loved it. And six decades after he stopped playing the game, something about watching ferocious blocking and tackling made him feel so good, he laughed out loud. And that sets, I mean, that all right there sets the table. You know who is who is Moose Krause? Well, he's actually Edward Gracianus. Uh, so he gets a name change all the way around, right? Uh, his coach absolutely changes changes his name, changes uh, gives him a nickname on top of you know on top of that, and he becomes the lineman uh, that he is. So uh, so it, it it really starts this it just sets the table. Now, so the interesting thing about Norm Barry is, you know, because he did play for Rockne, he took took Moose uh, to Notre Dame and put him in front of Rockne. And recruiting to those days, it's just, especially the stories about Rockne uh, are just funny. Like you know, we all know that you know the story about Gip. Um, you know, it, I think Jude uh, Jude talked about that in our last Heroes podcast about just basically Gip trying to show off. Uh, <laughs> you know, for Rockney and mouthing off a little bit. Um, there's another story in here about uh, with Rockney about the uh, guy. He's just, hey, you look like a fast fellow and the guy never played football. He's like, oh, then that's great. No one's ever taught you anything wrong, and you know, and just say that's how recruiting worked back then. It's it's just a it, it all. It really came down to great coaching, and you know, some coaches to nowadays can be can be just be blessed with great talent, right? And to make some better coaches, by far. Better than they actually really are. But back then, it was, like, really – really, it was (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> great coaching, uh, just these little stories about just grabbing guys and like, well, oh, we'll make a football player out of you. Just don't we really hear that a whole lot? I mean, that has a funny. Uh, you know, maybe at Notre Dame, Shane Walton's a g- great example. You know, from and Bob Davy of all people would never call him a great coach, but plucking him up um, <laughs> to play cornerback. So this is where. It's, so this is how he gets his path set, and so he's at. You know, he goes in to Notre Dame, he. Goes Notre Dame. He's ecstatic, right? They're this a not a poor family, but a, but basically, you know, they're just a back then blue collar families were like blue collar families nowadays. where, you know you got great benefits, good pay, and and all this other good stuff. Back then, it was eh, just a wee bit. You got a wee bit of the life. So anyway, so Moose is on campus, and uh, or, and he's practicing with a team. It's his freshman year, and. He flat out. He just flattens uh, uh, Frank uh, Corrido, and which is Notre Dame's, you know, Notre Dame's quarterback. And Rocky's like, who the hell hit the who the hell hit him? You know, who, who crushed my star quarterback? And uh, this the, the book has a great passage, and and this show. And I'm going to read it here in just a second, but it, it shows Moose is kind of like a, you know, a, that violent giant. With a, I don't know, with a conscious or he's just very conscious after the fact of like, oh, shit, I just I just I just murdered someone. Um, so I'm going to read this to you. and It's it's two little two little tales about um, about Moose and, you know, and him and being a physical specimen, basically. Uh, and, and they tie in together really, really well. So Moose ran out. This is right after he hit uh, hit the quarterback. Moose ran off the field and kept running, through the locker room, across campus, and all the way back to his dorm room, where he closed the door behind him, sat down on his bed, and trembled, waiting to be thrown off the team. He was panicked, wondering how he could ever explain to his father that he'd been dismissed from the squad and had lost his scholarship. Before long, one of Rockney's trainers located the big teenager and said that the coach wanted to speak to him. Reluctantly, Kraus walked over to Rock's office, trying to think of something to say, but not having any luck. He'd have to quit school and go back to the yards. Entering the office meekly, he sat down before the great coach, too frightened to speak. Are you the young man that knocked out my quarterback? Rockney said. Moose nodded, yes, sir. That's the way to play the game. It is? Yes, it is. I think you're going to make it at Notre Dame. Rockney shook his hand and Moose sprinted all the way back to his room, thinking he might be able to find a place for himself at the university after all. It wasn't his only brush with disaster that first year. On another occasion, the freshman had studied diligently for a biology exam. But when the professor handed back his paper, Moose's grade was 30 out of a possible 100. He failed miserably. Moose protested to the teacher that he had made a mistake. And when that did no good, the strappy young man went to the dean of science, who refused to even discuss the matter or look at his test. Krauss unceremoniously picked the man up and was about to hurl him across the room. But then changed his mind and set him down. When he, when the rumpled dean changed his or excuse me, when the rumpled dean had regained his composure, he announced that Moose's Notre Dame career had just ended, and he would be off to the campus, off campus in two hours. Shocked and angered, Moose packed his bags and walked over to Rockney's office to say goodbye and to apologize for deserting the team. Rockney told the young man to take a seat, and then in a straightforward manner. And with the command of language that made some of his locker room speeches immortal, he explained that the uncontrollable things happen in life. But in spite of that, a man had to learn to control his emotions and reactions. This was very important in the classroom, on the football field, and everywhere else. It was absolutely necessary if a man was going to learn how to avoid trouble. When the lecture was over, the coach said he would have have a word with the dean, and that was it. And... (laughs) And so that was it. Moose ended up obviously not getting kicked out of school. Uh, and then it goes on to talk about him playing golf with with the dean uh, later in life and stuff like that. This is just, these are things that, pro, that this happened another name. If if Jeremiah Wusukoromoa uh, went to uh, the dean of the department and just like picked him up. I, I, put his hands on him anyway, like that, uh, be out of school. I, there's no way that that, that sticks around. Uh, so this is, a, this is just one of those things that I show to you that, you know, we're talking about a whole different era, a whole, di- I mean, a whole <laughs> different era with a bunch of different set of rules. And, you know, it, it was a more innocent time when you know, if, so, if a a player nowadays did that you know it would be like red flags and all that this was just this was just uh, moose just got a little upset it's all right it's it's just moose and so <laughs> you know the, i just those are the type of stories that that I love and that's the great thing about you know some of these books um you know they, they really go out of their way to uh, to, to show you the difference it shows you even if they mean it or not but it shows you the difference about you know 2020 versus you know 1935 uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty great so um, it, it goes into the, the book goes then goes on into you know stuff more more about the stuff with Rockney, and you know Rock is the the guy that made Notre Dame football really what it is I mean he's he's the godfather in a sense I mean. Yes, Notre Dame was playing football before. but Rock's the one that, that set it off uh, for everybody. Uh, and so here, here's a passage I read from you. By traveling from coast to coast with his team, he helped create thousands upon thousands of football fans, especially Notre Dame fans, whose children and grandchildren still support the university. Some of them are alumni, but far more numerous are the so-called Subway alumni, a term originally applied to those fighting Irish rooters who lived in Chicago or New York and may have never even visited South Bend. Over the decades, the Subway alumni have included Catholics in every state, immigrants who came to America looking for opportunity, and felt allegiance to the underdog team for the Midwest, people who liked Newt Rockney, and those who just enjoyed good football. Without Rockney, it's hard to imagine the evolution of the college game. He laid the foundation for everything that would unfold over the next 60 years on the Notre Dame gridiron. And actually, longer than that. Uh, <laughs> this book was written a while ago. But I, that says... It says a lot without saying, uh, without saying a whole lot. Um, rock did it. And so the, this book just goes on to, to talk, um, you know, about a lot of the things that we all know. I mean, Rock is such a, he's a classic story, a classic tale, and, and everyone knows most of the stuff that that went on with, with rock. So, um, but, but, uh, I, I really, I will, we'll, we'll gonna into another passage here. Uh, he was always open to new ideas. A sporting goods company had developed a jersey that was supposed to be suitable for warmer weather. Rock agreed to try them out in Atlanta at the Georgia Tech game. During the first half, the jerseys became wet and slippery from perspiration. We couldn't hold on to the ball and kept fumbling. Rocky sent one of the managers out for the supply of molasses, and at halftime, he had us all apply it to our hands and jerseys and underarms. When we were tackled, we gathered up so much grass, debris, and weeds, we looked like scarecrows, but we won the game 26-6. to Afterwards, Rocky gave orders to return the jerseys to the company. He said, no thanks, and added something unprintable. <laughs> and again, this shows you the difference in the time eras. I just like it's without. Can you imagine the, uh, how much ingenuity you had to have uh, as a football coach back then? Uh, and the different things you can get away with, like yeah, just go grab some friggin' tar uh, <laughs> and apply it to you. I mean, just got stuff like that. It was it, obviously we're living in a world where there is a product after product after product, and there's rule after rule after rule that's based off of these last eighty years of making things as you know fair, and so things like that couldn't happen. Um, but this is this is the world we live in. And Rockney was an innovator. He was the one that 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 really changed. Uh, he didn't just make Notre Dame great; he made college football great. He made the sport great um, by the, a lot of the innovations that he did. Um, and the one thing about this book that that I I mean I I really wish he would have dove a little bit more into um, into Rock as a coach. It was it was kind of kind of light on the stories. Um, a lot of it focused more on it. Really, it dove into uh, what his death meant um quite a bit. Um but uh you know and there's just a few small quotes from from Moose about Rock in here. So uh let's let's get to another one here. It says Moose Rocky would just look at you and say, go, 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 go. When you think back on it now, that sounds kind of corny, doesn't it? But back then it worked. Players were different. People were different. The respect they had was different and the coach was special. When Rocky died, no one could believe he was gone. The news went out all over. I was in Chicago and I jumped in the car and came down to the funeral in South Bend. It was the biggest one I ever saw. I cried like a baby. Everybody did. And yeah, I mean, that's what this, this book really points to the um, uh, so much to the death of Rockney and how it how it affected uh, you know affected everybody around them. And uh, another one in here from um, uh, from Art McMahon um, McManon. Sorry, excuse me. Uh, and I, I I highlighted this passage uh, because I just think it's funny about the you know the Hugh uh, the Hugh Free stuff with him coaching from a hospital bed, and everyone made a big deal, and how funny that was. And I'm just like, this reminds me of so many things. I, 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 I was certain Frank Leahy coached. From a, uh, from a hospital bed on the sideline one time. Um, I swore I'd seen a picture of that or heard a story at least. Uh, but here's a good one about, about Rock, um, kind of in that same situation. One time Rock got phlebitis and had, had to rest himself. They got an old hearse from downtown and put a loudspeaker on top of it and drove it over to the practice field. He lay in the hearse and looked out the windows and conducted the practice from there, coaching us and correcting us everything we did through the loudspeaker. That was in 1929, a year we were undefeated and won the championship, just before his last year at Notre Dame. The day he died, the world died. Nothing bigger happened anywhere that day. So, again, for the fifth time, I'll say it, they concentrate so much on his, a rock's death uh, in this chapter. But it shows, again, what kind of coach he was. It was just Come on, dude. He was in a freaking hearse, uh, <laughs> through a loudspeaker. It's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, we, we, like I said, we get, we got cracked up and, uh, with, you know, Hugh Freeze coaching from a press box in a hospital bed, uh, during a game. And this is just along that line. So it was just like, what, whatever you have to do. All right. So I don't know how that went for you guys, but, uh, but so that's it for right now. That was, uh. We got made it for the first two chapters uh like I said set the foundation about who Moose is and and really the whole the book does a great job of, of weaving in and out of things to tell you to explain the type of person that Moose is um and then we got our first you know our first coach uh in here first coach talk uh, again the, the book will dive into some stuff from the from the season that it followed too as well um but uh but really, this it all sets the table, right? Uh, and you know, it's a it's it's quite the tale. I mean, it, Moose Krause's time at, at Notre Dame is, is Notre Dame. That's probably why they call him. It's mean, why they call him Mister Notre Dame. You know, between football and basketball, uh, is just there's just so much there. And one thing I did see today I, that uh, that I had forgotten about, and just to kind of give you another taste about who Moose was. When Era went to Moose to to quit, to, to say he was done, uh, you know, Moose was it was a shock to Moose and it he really took was took back by it. And he flat out uh, you know, if he was done coaching, okay. But Moose didn't want Era to leave Notre Dame. He felt Era belonged at Notre Dame somewhere, and he flat out offered his own job to Era. Like, hey you want my job, you know, do my job, stay here, stay here. And, you know, Era said, uh, it's a, there's a video on YouTube uh, about Moose. Um, I think it's been up there for, for quite a while. Uh, But uh, had said it then, Uh, you know, that was the first time he had ever talked he had ever said that. It's just, I don't know, just the little tidbits about the man. Um, And we'll get, you'll get more into that in the book. It just makes him more and more and more interesting. So again, I hope this, uh, hope this wasn't too awful. Uh, I really wasn't sure on how to go about this and maybe that was the right way. If it was the wrong way. You guys can let me know in the comments, um, uh, over on the site. But, uh, but yeah, so we're going to get in, we'll get into it some more. I, I I don't know, maybe every three or four days, uh, we'll just go over some chapters. Um, we got some time to kill. Um, and, like I said, if you guys got some suggestions about how you want me to talk about this, I'll I'll I'll, go, I'll play along. Uh, but you know, we're just just going to be doing <laughs> doing our thing here and uh, and going through this. I hope hope somebody learns from something from this. I hope really do hope some kid catches this uh, and gets more interested in, in who Moose is uh, and and the tales that they get that get get told about uh, about the coaches entwined there makes it uh makes it really palpable so anyways that's it for me and uh hope everyone out there is practicing your social distancing and and staying clean and staying safe uh, and staying sane um we got there's all sorts of good stuff uh online for you to to kind of be distracted about uh hopefully we're doing uh doing our playing our part over at uh, onefootdown.com so until the next time go irish